And it all comes down to this. Two on, two out. Bottom of the ninth, the Farmers lead by one. Full count. Here comes the play at the plate, and it's the Ag View pitch! To another episode of the Ag View pitch, and today you've got Chris Barron, and I'm here with uh, Dennis Jones, and we're going to start with you, and we're actually in South Georgia, and today I had the uh, opportunity to visit with you and a lot of your uh, clients that you work with and a couple of your associates here. So Dennis, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, and then... Uh, We'll go ahead and introduce some of your counterparts here that we're working with today. Uh, Chris, we sure appreciate you and Shake coming to South Georgia and, and doing a, a conference for us. Uh, I'm the Sam that works uh, Georgia and, and part of Florida, and uh, again, we had a good meeting today, and uh, we thank you for coming. Yeah, well, so you're so you're a Sam, so that's uh, tell us what that is with Pioneer. Well, here in the deep south, the Sam is is is, is the guy or gal that works primarily with farmers. Uh, at the farm gate, uh, you know, uh, you know, in regards to helping to uh, recommend hybrids and varieties, as well as uh, agronomic uh, advice, uh, and, and, and helping the, the person to do a better job growing a, a corn or what have you. And we also get involved in other crops as well. You bet, you bet. We'll get to that here in a minute. So let's let's uh, introduce everybody that we got here today. Yeah. So my name's Cameron Prince. I'm the field agronomist. I cover southwest Georgia, lower Alabama, and also the Florida Panhandle. And uh, I'm Kevin Phillips. Uh, I'm the uh, Pioneer Field Agronomist. Uh, I work east Georgia and the uh, peninsula of Florida. Sounds good. Well, let's, let's uh, kind of have a little conversation to start with. Tell us a little bit, um, any one of you guys, kind of tell us a little bit about the farming down here. You know, we do... A podcast and it gets around the around the U.S. and stuff, but it's really um, don't do as much down in this area. And you guys have some really interesting farming down in this area. A lot of diversity, a lot of you know corn and cotton and peanuts and all kinds of things going on down here. So one of you guys want to give us a little background on kind of kind of the crops, and I guess we'll pick on the agronomist in the group here. Uh, yeah, Chris, uh, uh, Georgia agriculture really consists year-to-year uh, -year of about 1.2 to 1.4 million acres of cotton. Uh, we'll have anywhere from 500,000 to 700,000 acres of peanuts and about 400,000 acres of corn, roughly. And, uh, and this year we dropped to a uh, past year in 2019 to a low of about 100,000 acres of soybeans. So, uh, so uh, you know, we have specialty crops like Vidalia onions that are grown here, uh, uh, watermelons, a lot of vegetables uh, in, in Dennis's territory in south, uh, deep southwest Georgia, a lot of sweet corn uh, as well, uh, uh, pecans or pecans, uh, whichever you prefer, so really becoming a really uh, good crop for us as well, uh, tree, tree nut crop. So uh, we, we have a variety of things going on here in southwest Georgia. Uh, other than just corn and soybeans. Well, I like learning how to pronounce pecans or pecans, I guess. That's good to know. It's kind of like a, yesterday I was with a grower in uh, Alabama, and he, and I said something about going to Albany, and he said, no, you got to say it Albany, right? So um, when we get here, I made sure I said Albany. Is that right? That's You correct. are correct. Okay, well, that's <laughs> good. I made sure I say it right. So, Benny and Tom built the city, and when they got through, Tom said, that's all, Benny. Okay, <laughs> that's good. Well, I, we want to make sure we, we pronounce this stuff right. So, so you guys tell us a little bit more. You know, um, we we got the agronomy 
agronomy perspective, um, tell us a little bit more about agriculture down here. You guys want to be wanna. Well, like uh, Kevin said, we just have a, a wide sundry of, of crops. I mean, and and, and here, uh, you know, something can happen in the markets, and and, and somebody can decide they're going to do something totally different than what they planned two weeks ago. Um, really, there's not a whole lot of months out of the year where something's not growing uh, here. Well, uh, we noticed that because I mean, you drive in here, you know, we're sitting here in, in January and everything's green. It's well, it's, 70, it's 70 degrees it's today, 70 today degree I mean, you know, today. and what have you. So, uh, you know, we, we grew everything from carrots to cotton down here. And, uh, you know, in fact, there, there there's a, there's some, some people now growing some citrus here yep. in in a, in a few counties in southwest Georgia, and and, and that 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 aspect is growing. And hemp is coming is down here too. Right? Yes. Yep. So, sounds good. Well, talk to us a little bit about you know your season is obviously like you said there isn't very much time frame where you aren't growing something down here. Um, for the the guys in the north that grow corn and soybeans, when are you guys going to be started on? You know, when do you start rolling on corn planting in this area? We'll we'll start planting corn uh, in Georgia, uh, the, the really the last week of February. Uh, in fact, the, the guys the guys that plant sweet corn generally want to start planting sweet corn around Valentine's Day. Okay. Uh, that's usually the kickoff in that regard. Uh, but most of the most of the corn that we plant in Southwest Georgia, and North Florida is going to be usually the the last. Uh, week of February and, and really kick off once you get into March. And we'd really like to have the, the corn planted where, primarily where I work uh, by the end of March. What about the cotton and peanuts? So, so cotton, uh, most growers will start about mid-April planting cotton and, uh, and, and, and really can plant cotton from mid-April all the way to mid-June. Um, so just depending on the maturity of the varieties they're planting, but uh, peanuts are more focused uh, planting when the more first two to three weeks of May like to target those, uh, you know, mid-May time frames for the peanuts, but a uh, little bit more flexibility on cotton uh, as far as the planting dates, as far as a wider window of, of planting. And I would add, you know, with us being so far south that, you know, we'll start planting corn mid-February into March and we can turn around and plant soil beans behind that corn crop late July and early August to get two crops in the same field in the same year too. So I said it's awesome we do have this far south where being so warm for so long. So a lot of double crop. I also heard a lot of guys today talking about um, cover crops and stuff. That's pretty common down here. Is that what you say? I would say probably uh, maybe 65, 70 percent of our land gets a cover crop. Maybe uh, <clears throat> this year we were dry for quite a period right near the end of uh, July and August and uh, September and then uh, then we, we really just started catching rain so harvest was a little later this year than maybe what we're accustomed to with our our cotton and uh, peanuts and uh, so I think cover crops may be a little bit uh, slow going in, but, but a lot of our ground does get cover crop, or uh, at, at least we're not tilling in the fall and, and letting something that is just winter weeds grow up on the land uh, just for a cover for the ground. So this is Shay jumping in here a little bit late, missed the introduction, but one thing that we were talking about a little bit earlier is looking at the maturities of this corn on these double crop systems and being so far down south with the growing season that you have you can plant 118 day corn no issue 
But when you look at some of the double crop decisions going in, you know, we were talking about 9,500 day corn. Can you speak a little bit to the decision making that goes behind that and why producers might want to look at that as a viable option? Yeah, so one thing we've seen is we can grow the, the full season maturity and have success growing the double crop soil being behind it in late July. Um, but we're also looking at pushing some 700 day corn products uh, to get them out a few weeks earlier, uh, push the population to maintain the same yield level, but also getting those three weeks of planting for the soybean crop to push the yields higher on the soybean crop subsequent to that corn crop. <clears throat> Let's um, talk about weather for a minute. You guys get some kind of crazy hurricane type weather and stuff down here that, you know, we don't, we have tornadoes and kind of goofy stuff in the Midwest, but we don't really get the hurricane, at least the direct impact you guys do. Talk a little bit about you know what the impact of, of a hurricane really does to um, to the crops, and then we'll get into the economic piece of this as well. Well, a uh, year ago, October 10th, when Hurricane Michael hit uh, the the Deep South, it was a the catastrophic event of my lifetime. Uh, you know, in Seminole County, Georgia, you had uh, uh, a Class Three, a Category Three hurricane, and you and you're. 90 miles from the Gulf there, or so, um, you know, it, it was it was it was horrendous. I mean, you, you had uh, people picking um, hours before the hurricane, you know, 1,200 pound cotton, and and after that storm hit, it was nothing. I mean, it, it was picked. It was gone. The storm picked it. It was gone. I mean, like I mean, it, it was it was, and, and like the timber crop, you know. 30-year-old pine trees snapped off like matchsticks. Hmm. I mean, it, it was the I mean, I'm, I'm 55 years old, and it was the event of my lifetime. Wow. wow. As far as weather. Right. Um, that's the weather component. There's a huge economic piece. To well, I mean, it, you know, like, like I say, you, 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 we, we lost a big portion of our economic engine in a few hours. Uh, you know, in timber, especially the the pecan grower. You know, you, you can't recover from that in, in a year, mm -hmm. for sure, because you know those trees take years and years to to years, yeah. to, to to manufacture a tree that's viable to, to grow pecans and and what have you. And, uh, and then then the, the hardware part of it, uh, you know, most of our most of our crop in here is is is, is done by centripetal irrigations. You know, you had guys that lost half of their irrigations in in a, in a matter of minutes. And it don't. And it took years to put those pivots up. Right. So it, it was it was a, what, a huge deal, as they say. What What does the insurance, you know, component does that even come close to to covering the crop loss? I mean, obviously you can't make up for the the livelihood and the you know all the other impacts that that has. But from a cropping perspective, is there insurance that that takes care of that? You know, you're talking about you know, a, a pretty massive cotton harvest with pretty high-end yields, and then two hours later, it's gone. Well, again, I might be speaking out of school, but in a lot of cases, that, you know, on irrigated farmland, um, a lot of guys don't, don't do crop insurance as, as much as they do on dry land. Mm -hmm. uh, and Kevin, you may can speak better than that than I can, but uh, in some cases, they were not insured. That's right. 
that, that's right. Uh, you know, the cotton crop is of of our corn crop is is not often affected with the hurricanes. So most of ours is harvested in you know from late July and August. So really, the hurricane uh, uh, season really affects our cotton and peanut crop more often than it does our corn crop. And um, and, and really, you know, like Dennis said, the uh, insurance component for, you know, their center pivot irrigation is really their insurance component for for yield. So, so coverage levels probably weren't that good, but I, I just really think that, that, you know, it's just hard for an insurance to, to, to compensate you. Um, a lot of those growers would have, you know, if they were, you know, maybe halfway done, they were harvesting really probably some of the best cotton they were yeah, re really had ever had in their life last year. And then, the, you know, the post-storm harvest was over, you know. So a lot of those had kind of hit right near or at those harvest levels that, that just really, you know, they didn't collect enough insurance from where they were. And they were really had harvested half of, the, almost the perfect crop. And, and really, to add insult to injury, after the after the hurricane, it didn't quit raining. And and see, some people had later cotton that, that had not opened up yet. That it, it you know, the, the cotton it, it kept raining, and so that crop got damaged and and taken way back because of the excess raining we had for for thirty forty five days. Uh, another uh, effect from the storm is uh, for uh, pecans is the, the crop is insurable so we lost the nuts for this year they were all uh, damaged from the wet and the storm but uh, the trees that blew over those were not insurable so so you know this tree that's been growing for 50 to 80 years uh, you know if it blows over it's just a loss and there's really not any you know, program that would help cover any of the losses of that pecan grove from uh, from losing the trees. You may recoup some of your losses from insurance from the crop, but not the uh, the tree loss. Um, and it's very expensive to clean those up. It's um, you have big equipment. Uh, one guy told me he bought a, a brand new excavator to clean up his pecan orchard. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's gonna take you seven to ten years to establish a new grove to have it start producing. That's gonna be about a thousand dollar, you know, cost every year to get it to produce. Or if you got ten grand in cost before you start getting the first dollar back, so it's pretty hard hit there. Well, and also um, let's kind of talk through the acre rotation going into twenty twenty. So, you know, um, give me again the refresher on how many acres of each crop and then what do you think that's going to look like going into 2020 as far as, you know, the, the Georgia area and stuff and kind of what you guys think you'll be seeing for crops planted this year. So, so our general acre mix is about 1.2 million acres of cotton, um, half a million acres of peanuts and uh, 400,000 acres of corn. Um, you know, we're coming off of a pretty uh, low commodity price um, uh, cotton crop here. Um, 
fairly low yield, fairly expensive cotton crop to grow this year uh, with irrigation costs uh, being a little higher with the dry weather late. So um, most farmers are um, maybe a little dissatisfied with their cotton crop and the economics of cotton at the moment. Uh, uh, a lot of farmers are looking to maybe rotate to corn, uh, peanut acreages have probably been a little above normal, although I, I think the uh, peanut crop will be fairly average uh, range for us in that half a million acre range, uh, possibly up a little bit. But, um, you know, if they're not going to make a good cash crop of cotton, they're probably looking to rotate to help uh, take care of that peanut rotation. And, uh, and corn is a little higher residue crop to put a little better rotation for a peanut crop. So. Uh, most folks are looking to rotate a little more to corn uh, in our area for 2020. Yeah, I think part of that's because when it comes to peanuts, the disease pressure we see down here this far south is you can't really have a peanut monoculture. It's got to be rotated with the crop. And if they can't plant cotton because of low commodity price, they're going to plant something else. So it's usually going to be corn from a cash crop standpoint. And one of the things that we've been seeing as we run through profit manager and kind of run the numbers and, and like yesterday for example looking at cotton versus corn with where the cotton price is at um, it just didn't look like the economics worked I mean it really advocated just looking at that cost of production difference and that margin opportunity definitely with corn acres and with that said you know in, in, in this area right here correct me if I'm wrong but the, the basis is is currently right now as we speak is about 85 over um, and it's not uncommon to be a dollar over on corn price right so if, if you're sitting there looking at at a four dollar you know futures price that's you know you could maybe lock in a basis and approach five dollars bushel on corn right is that feasible yes it, it is yes. especially to the end users uh, Maybe our elevator bases aren't quite as good for most farmers, but uh, the end users will definitely be our bases mm -hmm. um, in lines with what you're talking about there. Yeah, so that's one of the things I think that's unique for the, the growers to the north, where, where, you know, we're, you know, especially further north, you, you get up in the Dakotas, it's, it's, it can be a dollar the other way, you know, just, just from, from one end of the country to the other. So it's just, having a little perspective there and understanding why the acre shift and, and that kind of thing's important. Well, and looking at the economics on that end, if you could maybe dive a little bit more into some of the background, you know, what is it that it's, that's affecting peanuts and, and cotton right now? Those are crops that we don't look at, you know, for a majority of the listeners here on the northern side of the United States. What's affecting those markets and what's affecting the decision-making moving into 2020 here? Well, our, our really our global cotton supplies is, or our American cotton supply is really high right now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the uh, weakness in the cotton market is maybe a supply and demand uh, issue, um, and especially uh, weaker exports, uh, China and those things. But um, so, so uh, the peanut market is really not a traded commodity like uh, a lot of those. So. It, it maybe operates a little bit more independently and, and so uh, the, the peanut shellers that, that really set the two farmer price 
for the most part. Uh, they really just have to compete for acres with with cotton for the most part. So, um, so, so some of the softness in the peanut market is probably just created by lack of competition from from the cotton market a, as well. Okay, another question. Let's uh, transition over to the economic piece because I always like to kind of hit that. And, and you know, what we've seen for a lot of growers is some real difficult times trying to, to cash flow and to be profitable since about 2013 with just overall lower commodity prices. And so it's been tough. It's been hard not to burn through working capital. And, you know, so talk to us a little bit, any of you, a little bit about what you guys are seeing. Um, you know, for the farm operations in terms of profitability, I mean, are these guys able to, to kind of maintain and do all right, or, or you know, is there some, some tough roads ahead here, or kind of what's your, what are you anticipating, you know, from the financial side of things? Do you have any comments on that? Well, again, along with the, the, the economic situation with the, with the markets, uh, that compounded with the, with the weather event that we had with the hurricane, uh, you know, since 13, I mean, you know, things have just digressed. Um, but again, it, you still have to to plan for the the most success that you can that you, that right. you can have. And, right. and, 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 and it's the old, like the old saying goes, you can't save yourself in, in, into, into fortune. You, you know, you still got to do the certain things the right way. Mm-hmm. And I think at, at this point in the game that uh, what I've seen that, that has helped people is, is is, is getting ready to plant, getting prepared, uh, doing the best you can to get uh, your tools ready uh, and, and and what have you, and and, and looking at every expenditure. Because there's certain things you can cut out mm-hmm. uh, to, to help uh, the process and help the bottom line. But again, there's certain things you can't cut out. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things we looked at today, right, at the meeting. We talked a lot about machinery and equipment utilization and efficiency, a little bit about collaboration. And there's just a lot of things that I think a lot of producers can do, regardless if you live in South Georgia or, you know, North Texas, or if you're in the middle of North Dakota, there's a lot of things that as producers that we can do to um, improve profitability. And and, uh, and like you said, Dennis, uh, plan for success. Because if you don't plan for success, it's pretty hard to get there if you don't have that to plan to start with, right? Well, I think farmers in general are eternal optimists. <laughs> yeah. You know, come the first of the year, people uh, start gearing up to yeah. do it. And uh, come springtime, they're ready to burn diesel. That's right. That's right. Any any final comments or anything, you know, Shay or any of you guys that, that we haven't brought up? I mean, it's just kind of a casual conversation here at the table end of the day having a having a uh, little beverage here and a little conversation about kind of what what we're all seeing in ag any other comments well i think the collaboration people talk about today is going to be important for us down here you know especially for guys that are more set up for cotton or peanuts um that want to take advantage of a maybe a higher corn price you know that cotton picker does one thing it picks cotton you know can't do anything with corn or soybeans um same thing with peanuts you know they they do one job so it's kind of hard to make a, an about face shift on a commodity on a farm you're set up to do you know one crop or two crops um, so collaborators will be key for some guys to maybe make some shifts there to capture some money on the different commodity prices we see today yeah and i'm really really glad you brought that up it is 
very important looking at the equipment efficiency and with the collaborative model or alliance or however you can work it out in the region, you know, taking a look at your operation and seeing, hey, where can we improve efficiency? How can we improve our bottom line? And with equipment being, you know, the second largest line item expense on your balance sheet, and this isn't because we're having a seed or a chemical conversation or anything like that, you can change a lot on your seed and chemical and some of these other uh, decisions throughout the year and it doesn't affect your bottom line nearly as much as making a five or ten percent change within your machinery and equipment you know so where can you improve on your land where can you improve on your machinery and equipment and then like you said Dennis continue to plan for success you can't save your way to a fortune so uh, you know we saw that a lot in 2019 with producers of looking at decisions on you know do we cut the fungicide do we cut the late season nitrogen and in a lot of cases, that was not the right decision to do because you need to provide for that crop and you need to, to plan for success. You know, so I, I'm just really glad you brought that point up and something to consider as we move forward into 2020, especially uh, after a rough season in 2019 on the economic side. Thanks, Jay. Any, any other final comments here, Kevin? Yeah, I just echo uh, as far as the meeting today, uh, Cameron's comments, uh, you know, when you guys are collaborating over eight and 10,000 acres and we just have so many farmers that are a thousand or 2,000 acres split between three crops and we have, you know, two or three different harvest machines. Uh, just, uh, it got me excited about the opportunity to uh, encourage folks to collaborate with equipment, especially um, in, in the grain markets here. Uh, we, we do have a good basis, but uh, it's oftentimes hard for our farmers to capture that basis just because we don't have the storage to, to, to maybe capture that or have to take it to the elevator and you know have drying costs and all that. So um, the, the, the really the idea of collaborating across those to, to, to really give us more flexibility from a crop rotation standpoint is uh, a really good point I took home from the meeting today. That's great and I, I think the, the thing that's interesting for the people in the north to understand is how much diversification y'all have down here. It's huge. I mean it's it, it's like you said the three primary crops you know between the peanuts and the corn and the cotton but there's some soybeans and there's all the vegetables and watermelon and sweet corn and the list goes on and on and on. Well all of a sudden you need a lot of different equipment right and the collaboration opportunities that we see in your in your region is definitely huge. So, any other final comments, Dennis? Uh, Chris and Shay, I really appreciate y'all coming down uh, to, to Georgia. Uh, I, I think it's been exciting today. I, I saw a lot of excitement in, our, in the room today. I mean, it is a, a, a topic that a lot of folks don't want to discuss, the business end of it. But again, like a, a farmer told me years ago, he, t he was talking to his son-in-law, if you don't worry about the business end of it, you won't be farming a long time. And, and that has stuck with me for a long time. A farmer in Indiana told me that. And uh, I appreciate y'all coming and uh, and, and uh, we, we appreciate farming and, and uh, look forward to, to the best we can do in 2020 and, and, and helping our farmers and, uh, and being with them from the bag to the bin. That works. Absolutely. And I guess I'll just kind of wrap it up here by saying that uh, Southern hospitality is not a myth. 
you know, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for uh, everything that you've done for us. We're, we're blessed to know folks like you and to work with people like you. And if you're listening, you haven't been down to this area. There's a lot of, a lot of good people down here in agriculture that you can come and get out of your backyard itis and come see what they have going on down here south and uh, see how farming looks down here. But thank you for joining us, everyone. Appreciate it, guys. And we will catch you all next time on the Ag View Pitch. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Ag View Pitch. As always, you can reach out to us at cbaron at agviewsolutions.com or Dwayne L at netends.net. We'll catch you next time on the Egg View Pitch.